Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. Today, we're going to talk about the business value of creating a great employee experience. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Annette Franz, founder and CEO of CX Journey and bestselling author. Annette, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to our uh, our conversation. Yeah, looking forward to it as well. Uh, Why don't we start uh, with you giving a little background on yourself uh, as well as what you're currently doing? Yeah, of course. Of course. So I have um, have been in this customer experience space. This is my 31st year. (laughs) Um, I started my career at J.D. Power & Associates uh, back in 1992 and, and, you know, have watched this thing called customer experience evolve over over time. Right, I went out on my own at about. It's been about seven, no, seven years. Started CX Journey Inc. and you know I'm working on all things CX, but also focusing on employee experience and culture. I think that's really important, and I know that we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. Yeah, and and I spend most of my time, you know, working with clients on their customer experience strategies, soup to nuts, and uh, also write and uh, do some speaking. So yeah, been uh, been a busy seven years or so for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, definitely, and I I love the content that you're putting out there for what it's worth. So yeah, Thanks. always always some great some great thoughts, and I lo- love your book as well. So yeah, let's let's get started and dive in here on our main topic, and that's going to be employee experience and really how a great employee experience can create business value. Yep. So to get started, uh, I always like to start with definitions. So how how would you define employee experience? 
Yeah, absolutely. And and it's funny because I, I like to start with definitions too, because I, I, it's, you know, gets us all on the same page. And I think when it comes yeah. to employee experience, a lot of people, you know, confuse it for something else, right? I, I define it as the sum of all the interactions that an employee has over the, you know, the duration of her employment relationship, I guess. And then also some actions and capabilities that employ enable the employee to do the job. And probably more importantly, the feelings, emotions, and perceptions about all of that, right? I think that's really important. And I think a lot of folks confuse it with employee engagement. And I view employee engagement as an outcome, right? So if we do all those things right, if we get the employee experience right, then we can look at employee engagement as an outcome of all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I I like that you made that distinction there because there's a lot of terms that get thrown around and a lot of hashtags uh, thrown out in in social media posts and everything. But it's yeah, definitely experiences. Experience is really everything. And there's there's a lot of subsets of of that for sure. What's the difference then? You talked about employee experience and employee engagement. What's the difference between employee experience and company culture? Mm, that's a, that's a good question because I think a lot of times people confuse the two or think they are the same. And I I typically view so culture is defined in my mind as core values plus behaviors. Right? We have the set of core values that we define, and then we also define a what they mean, and then b what are give, give me some examples of acceptable and unacceptable behaviors for each of those core values. So so culture is very much the foundation of the organization and I often view it as a precursor to the customer experience. So if we've designed and culture is deliberately designed to be or you get, you know, the one you design or the one you allow, but if we deliberately design the culture to be one that is, you know, people first, people centric, then I think that ultimately then leads to doing all the right things in order for the employee to have a great experience as well. Yeah, yeah. And so you mentioned people-centric and, you know, I would imagine the employee people-centric can translate to customer centricity as well. But, you know, where to start, you know, where what does go into making a good employee experience? I break it down into what I call the soft stuff and the hard stuff. And the soft stuff I think is what I, what I would hope people would think about when they think about employee experience, which is, you know, there's, there's opportunity for growth and development for the, and, and ways for the employee to thrive, right? There's feedback and coaching and they're appreciated and they're recognized for the work that they do. Probably mo- most importantly, they've got leadership that cares about them, right? Takes the time to really get to know them and, and care about them as humans, not just, you know, cogs in the wheel of success or whatever you want to call them, right? And uh, other things like, you know, they know that they're, how their work matters and, and, and how it impacts, you know, the goals of the business, they, they feel empowered and, you know, really wellness and well-being and that connection to, you know, success is, is really important as well. So that's what I call the soft stuff. The hard stuff is, is more around the tools and the training, having, you know, the resources that they need to do their jobs. Policies are, you know, not outdated processes, aren't broken those. And they have, you know, the workspace and the workplace to, to do their, their jobs. Right. I, I, when I first start working with clients, I'll interview the executive team, some employees and some customers. And this one client that I did this for, there was an employee who said something that was just in my mind, just really profound and really talks about how important this hard stuff is too, right? It's, he basically said, you know, I don't have the tools, the training, the resources 
and my policies are outdated, my processes are broken. I don't have what I need to serve my customer the way that the customer deserves to be served. And I was like, wow, that's that's an employee who gets it. And that's a very powerful statement. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we're going to talk about that direct relationship between employee and, and customer experience in a minute as well. But before we do that, I wonder, um, how do you recommend, you know, you mentioned the soft stuff, the hard stuff, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of things to be considered. Again, experience yeah. is kind of everything, right? So how, how do you measure this? You know, what what perspective yeah. should be considered? And is, is there too much measurement? Or is there such a thing? Or, you know, how, how do you recommend measuring things that in a meaningful way? I think measurement for the employee is going to be similar to how we measure the customer experience. You know, we look at some of the typical things, right? Satisfaction, happiness, employee happiness is a is a good measure as well. The engagement scores, the engagement questions, you know, Gallup has some great, you know, their QTEL Q12 for, you know, measuring engagement. I I like to look at how likely are they to recommend the brand as an employer, right? And then also how, how willing are they to stay? You know, are they, are they considering looking at, you know, a different job in the next 12 months? We can also look at trust and, and trust in their leadership and how well they believe that leadership trusts them too, you know? And you can you can look at other things in in, in the sense of you know how self reported you know how are they you know their well being how do they feel that they're being taken care of within the organization um, you can look at you know hard data and things like that as well in terms of productivity and and that I, I would also take a look at you know training or learning opportunities within the organization and how much of that they have and how they feel about those opportunities as well. So there's, you're right, there are a lot of different ways that it can be measured, a lot of different things that uh, that we can look at there. Before we continue, I'd like to make sure you're aware of the upcoming CXPS 2023 conference, May 8 through 11, 2023 in Durham, North Carolina. CXPS is a great CX event focused on professional services firms that want to know how to take the next steps to make their firm successful in integrating client experience with their firm's strategic initiatives. To learn more and register for the conference, go to clientexperience.org slash CXPS conference. That's clientexperience.org slash CXPS conference. And you can register with the code AGILE200, that's A-G-I-L-E-200, for $200 off your tickets. You can hear from top professional services executives and CX thought leaders like myself through a combination of keynotes, breakout sessions, workshops, and panel discussions. Make sure to register at clientexperience.org slash CXPS conference with the code AGILE200 for $200 off your tickets. Now let's get back to the show. I know with with customers, I'll run into the the concept of survey fatigue, right? Where, you know, we we would love to get information about every single interaction and send a survey out to get that that latest info. But, you know, at a certain point, it's, it's diminishing returns, if not worse. What about, you know, with employees, you know, like what, what should leaders be thinking about there? Like, of course, they want to know what's going on. And, and, and in a large org, especially, there's no way they can have a one on one with with everyone that they manage, yeah. let alone everyone in the, in the 
in the company. How, how should a leader think about balancing getting the information and that, again, the fatigue, the, the eye rolls of, oh, here's yeah. another survey? Yeah, exactly. I think I think there are a lot of different ways that we can um, listen to employees beyond surveys. One of the things that I recommend for my clients is doing what we call stay interviews, right? Um, stay interviews are, you know, hopefully as a as a manager, as a leader, you're having one on ones with your employees, right? And then rather than waiting until they leave and doing that, you know, classic exit interview, do a stay interview. So when you're when you're meeting with them on a regular basis, ask them about, you know, how are they feeling? What can you, what can I do differently to ensure that you, you know, ask the kinds of yeah. questions, the real, really meaningful questions to get things right now before somebody's even thinking about getting out the doors. So. Yeah. The other thing that I recommend for, you know, to your point about we can't, you know, every, you know, the, the CEO can't meet with every single employee, especially in large organizations. One of the things that I have executives do is what I call an employee listening tour. And it's, you know, going out into the field and meeting with groups of employees, it's, it, you know, it's sort of the opposite of a town hall, right? In a town hall, the leader gets up and talks to a group of people and on a listening tour, the employees are doing the talking and the executives are the ones who are listening, right? So, so I think that's an important way to get feedback. But I think the bigger point of getting the feedback is that you've actually got to do something with it, right? One of the things that that I add to employee surveys at the end of the survey, I'll ask, do you believe that your leaders will do something constructive with this feedback? Right. Um, And it's shocking how often the answer there is no, you know? So, so I think, I think that's a problem. Yeah. And those are, those are all great ideas. And, and uh, the, the stay interview thing in particular m- might have prevented me from leaving a company uh, mm, back in the day yeah. as well, if, if they would have, and probably some, some of my coworkers too. But um, yeah, but no, great, great thoughts. You know, that, so that's a missed opportunity. You know, yeah. what, what else might leaders be getting wrong or just not considering when they're thinking about measuring and, and really trying to quantify the, the employee experience? Well, there's there's two things that are that are top of mind for me on that. One of them is is that they focus on the participation rate. I cannot tell you mm-hmm. <laughs> how yeah. many times, you know, oh well, we've only got seventy percent of our employees, or we've only got oh we're at ninety percent. If we get a hundred percent, you know, we'll we'll have a pizza party or what you know things right. like that. And it's like it's like too much focus on that and not enough on the other thing. And and also the other issue would be surveying too frequently. I actually had a client that was doing employee surveys every quarter and the, and it was the exact same survey every quarter. They, A, didn't do anything with it. A quarter is not enough time to even implement, you know, some of the grand changes and things that needed to happen. And the employees were caught on to this and because nothing, nothing was being done, they would just copy and paste their, like the wow. comments and things like that. They would just copy and paste them from one quarter to the next. Oh, the same yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I don't blame them if nothing was getting right? done with them. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So those are a couple of, a couple of problems that I see out there. Definitely. Yeah. And, and so la- last question on this topic, before we move sure. on to talking a little more about customer experience, I wanted to talk about this, the idea of business value and, and employee experience. And, you know, I think yeah. as having been a, a CEO and, and, and managed a company or two, you know, certainly the, the, the cost of turnover and, and things like that, that's a, 
that's a negative when when employees are leaving. But in terms of positive business value, how should leaders be looking um, at employee experience in terms of this, you know, a, a positive net value, not just a positive business value, not just a risk mitigation or, or loss aversion or, or something like that? Yeah, I, I think I think there's and there's this graphic that I had just recently posted out on on LinkedIn. And it's also in my second book, Built to Win. It's this whole notion of that connection between culture and business outcomes. But, you know, I said culture was a precursor to the employee experience. So if we've got that great, great foundation in place and ultimately that great foundation helps to create a great employee experience. And when employees are having a great experience, they're you know, they achieve their outcomes, right? They're, they're engaged, they're happy, they're productive. You know, the quality of the work that they do is, is solid. We're looking at loyalty as well. They're, you know, again, having a great experience. So they're more creative and they're more innovative and that all drives, you know, a a great experience for customers then too, right? So the customer's achieve outcomes as well, right? They have a better experience. They feel um, that they've received value. Their jobs are done. Their their problems are solved. They're happy. They're satisfied. They're loyal as well. And ultimately that leads to business outcomes, right? There's uh, employer and talent branding is, is spot on because employees are talking about the business. So it's easier to recruit other employees you know, other business outcomes, obviously, you know, growth, revenue, profitability, customer lifetime value, and and they just have this competitive advantage. So it really is that connection between, you know, culture to employee experience to customer experience to achieving those business outcomes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And to, to follow on to that, then, you know, I wanted, wanted to talk more about that relationship yeah. between employee and, and customer experience. So, you know, how I know you, I know you went, went into this a little already, but how would you describe that relationship that that exists between employee and, and customer experience? Yeah, I you know I, I believe that employee experience is a driver of the customer experience. There's this spillover effect, right? There's this tendency of you know when employees have a great experience, it drives a great experience for your customers, and 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 this is why you know I, I talk about you know if we put customers first, we have to put employees more first because they really are you know, at the, at the core of the business in terms of, you know, if we don't have employees who design and, and build and sell and service and, and implement and deliver, you know, if we don't have people doing all that, then we have no need, no reason to have customers, right? <laughs> Somebody's got to yeah, do that. Right. So, so I, I think that's an important way to look at it. And, and it's so funny because people often question, well, which, which comes first? And it's, it's not even a chicken and egg story. It's a, you know, it's simply, if you don't have employees, you don't have a company, right? And if you don't have a company, you obviously don't need to have any customers either. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So are there, are there any warnings or downsides or just things to watch out for when you do closely tie CX and EX? And, you know, is there a downside to it? Yeah, I, I, I honestly don't think so because what it does is if we can shine a spotlight on both, the employee and the customer, obviously that's a good thing. I, I, I can't really come up with any downsides because I mean, at the heart of the business is people, you know? And so I, I think, um, I don't, I don't really see any downsides to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, I was kind of curious what you were going to say because I, I, I couldn't think of any myself. So it's, uh, <laughs> oh, <I'm glad>. um, <laughs> nice. We're, we're agreed though. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I love it. 
So how do, uh, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, various reports and, and research and, and stuff, but yep. you know, how, how do you think re- organizations that really get it and they, they understand this relationship between EX and CX, how do they measure it and, and make it, make it meaningful not, not just have some correlation causation, but really make it meaningful yeah. to the organizations? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because you're right. There's a ton of research out there that shows that connection, right? And how ultimately if we focus on the employee experience, it's great for the, you know, great for the business and business outcomes. I think the one thing that I've done in the past, and and it does go back to like that, (laughs) it sort of is correlation or causation or whatever you want to call it, right? I I had a, a client and this was the first time I did it years ago, and and I still view it this way, you know, we did our customer satisfaction surveys, and then we did our employee satisfaction surveys. And what I what I tend to do is ask similar questions on both so that I can get an understanding. So, you know, I'll give an example, this particular uh, company, we did a, a relationship survey, and we asked different questions about the customer's relationship with the, with the brand. And at the time we could get away with (laughs) 50 question surveys, right? We can't do that anymore, but, but asked about each, each department within the company that they interacted with. Right. And at the same time we were doing an employee satisfaction survey. And one of the things that came out was customers very, were very dissatisfied with the account management group. And we went over to the employee satisfaction survey and we found that the account management group was the least satisfied of the employees, right? There are a lot of issues in that department, a lot of struggles. And it was really interesting to see, and this was early in my career, it was really interesting to see that correlation being played out in real life in front of me, right? So, so, yeah. I, but I think that what people do today is they, they'll do, you know, ENPS and NPS, you know, ask similar questions on, on those surveys and and take a look at that as well. I think there is something to be done with, you know, obviously cross-tabbing and, oh gosh, that's such a historic, historic (laughs) term, but cross-tabbing and looking and, and segmenting and looking at the data by, you know, different cuts, right. Whether it's department or it's product or business unit or whatever it is, just to sort of suss out where those, those, correlations are happening and where that, where there are, are issues for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, want, I wanted to ask you one last question before we, we wrap up here as a fellow author, you've written a few books. Um, I always like to ask about the the process of writing and, and so, uh-huh. you know, in, in writing your most recent book, do you mind talking a little bit about the process and, you know, did you learn anything through the writing process? Um, even though, uh, again, this wasn't your first book. Yeah. You know, I went with, I self-published my first book and I went with a publisher in the second book. And I will say that I will go back to self-publishing. I think that's probably, that's probably the biggest thing that I learned. I've heard that before for what it's worth. Yeah. Yeah. I I have too. And, and I feel like it, you know, everybody's got to do it just to kind of come back to that, um, that sort of conclusion. But so that was number one. Number two is, you know, I wrote the book in 122 days. That was the, that was the schedule they put me on. And it really, 
to me was, you know what, if you put your mind to it, you can do that. I mean, that's not a lot of time. Uh, if you put your mind to things, you can really do it and you can get it done. So not that I didn't know that, but it just kind of confirmed for me. And, and, you know, I became more passionate about writing as I went through the process. Cause they were like, well, just do one chapter a week. And I was doing two <laughs> so, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> just confirmed that I'm an overachiever, you know, those kinds <laughs> of things. But yeah, I think those are the two big ones is number one, you know, self-publish and number two is, uh, yeah, put your mind to it, you can get it done. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I, I, I know a lot of people that they've got an idea and they just, um, haven't found the time to, to get started, but yeah, I, same, same as, as you, it sounds like just a little bit at a time. Uh, it's, it's, that's, that's how it works. And then uh, sure yeah. enough, you know, you're, you're a few books in and, and, right? and you know, got, got ideas for the next one and, and all that kind exactly. of stuff. So, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, thanks so much for, for joining. Um, I'd like to thank Annette Franz, founder and CEO of CX Journey and bestselling author for joining the show. You can learn more about Annette and CX Journey by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkilstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.